on the book of Revelation, chapters 2 and 3, looking at these seven churches, these seven types of people, seven attitudes that Christ told us to beware of in these last days. Uh, Father, help us to ask the question today, is it I? Help us, God, to consider and examine ourselves. Help us not to shout when the part gets good for somebody else. Uh, but God, help us to apply word and scripture to our own lives this morning. In that wonderful name of Jesus. And Father, you know I need your help today. <clears throat> Lord, I need your help. Get me out of the way. So that your glory can be seen is my prayer in Jesus' name. Amen. Revelation chapter 2. Revelation chapter 2, verse 1 through 7. Revelation chapter 2, verses 1 through 7. So good to see all of you here this morning. How many of you glad you're here? <coughs> and uh, when I mean here, I, I'm not just talking about up in here. I'm just talking about here. Like you woke up this morning. Amen. Yes. We're living in, a, in, in troubled times, are we not? Yes, our, our hearts and our prayers are with all the things that are going on in our society. But I, I had a burden just, just to lift up uh, a dear sister in Washington, D.C., who with her baby in the car. It's not our right to judge the situation. Truth is, we don't know. But that's the world we're living in. Pressure, pressure, the pressures of life have have gotten to the place now that when you go to work, you better go covered. When you go out to the grocery store or, or in Kenya, they'll tell you when you go to the mall, ain't no place safe anymore. Uh, somebody said when you go to church. My Lord. We're not a safe people. None of us are safe. And some of us, if you push our button the wrong way, might go postal on somebody. We ought to give God praise this morning that we are here. That we are here. My mom and dad and family members live in Washington, D.C. We, and to hear about shootings and all these things in, in that area where I grew up, uh, you know, you have to just pause sometimes. Because it could be you, amen? The Bible says in Revelation 2 and verse 1, to the angel of the church in Ephesus. Let me pause and tell you that the word angel really means messenger. So if I got real practical, the word of God would say to Myron Edmonds and John Coxum and to the, and to the elders of the church in Cleveland. This is not a celestial being here. This is the messenger to that church. In other words, the word of God comes to his men and women servants to give to his people. We ought not take light the word of God when it is preached and it is given from his men servants and women servants. Would you say amen? And notice what it said here. And in your Bible, I don't know, and in mine, it's all read. Almost the first few chapters of the book of Revelation and onward are in red, which says to me, who's talking, everybody? So we ought to listen to this morning. The Bible says, these are the words, got a little feedback, these are the words of him who holds the seven stars. Circle that word stars in your Bible. 
The word stars, as you will discover in the previous chapter, the book of Revelation is an apocalyptic book. It is a prophetic book. It uses symbols. But the word stars is a symbol of the church. The Bible is saying that Jesus has the church in his right hand. Come on, say amen in here. It's his church. And the Bible says, and walks among the seven golden lampstands. Verse 2 says, I know your deeds, your hard work, and your perseverance. I know that you cannot, I love this, that you cannot tolerate wicked men. That you have tested those who claim to be apostles, but are not, and you found them to be false. Come on, say amen in here, somebody. The Bible says in verse 3, you have persevered and have endured hardships for my name. Can I get a witness in here? Has anybody been through something in here? You persevered, you hung in there. How many are here today? Because you, your simple testimony is, I survived that thing. That's what Jesus is saying. Look, you, you, you have tested false doctrine. And you, have, and you have preached the truth. You've stood on my word. And as a result of standing on my word, you have been tested by folk. You've been persecuted by folk. Folk have lied on you. They've talked about you. They've called you weird. But I love this part. The Bible says you persevered and have endured hardships for my name. And you have not grown weary. You hung in there when you wanted to throw in the towel. Come on, say amen. When I came in the house of the Lord this morning, I ran, I ran into a sister and I said, how are you doing today? And all she said to me is, I'm holding on. She said, I'm holding on like Jacob. Come on in here. I'm not going to let go, somebody said in here, until I get my blessing. And then the Bible, uh, there, uh, Jesus takes a, a shift in his tone. After praising them for being a church of good deeds and hard work and perseverance and, and those that cannot tolerate evil and wickedness and false doctrine and false prophets, the Bible and have endured, amen, they have endured the struggles of life. He has complimented and commended them for their ability to stand the test of God. And then these words come to us that blow my mind. He says, yet, somebody shout yet. I hold, Lord have mercy. I hold this against you. You have, let me pause here and say this. Now look, there's one thing if Willie says to me, I got issues with you. I mean, we'll work it out at some point. There's another thing if, if Violet Cox says, listen, we got problems we need to deal with. Brothers and sisters, when the Lord says, when the Lord says, I've got problems with you. <laughs> Somebody ought to open up their ears and hear what the Spirit has to say to the churches. The Lord is saying, I've watched you, I've observed you, and from my vantage point, yes, I commend you for the things that you've done, but i got a problem with you. And here's the problem that he has. He says, you have forsaken your first love. I'm going to shout first love up in here. And notice what he says. He says, remember... The height from which you have fallen. Repent. Somebody shout repent. And do the things you did at first. The Bible then goes on to say, if you do not repent, I will come to you and remove your lampstand from its place. But you have this in your favor. You hate the practice of the Nicolaitans, which I also hate. The Bible ends by saying this. He who has an ear, 
let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. To him who overcomes, I will give the right to eat from the tree of life, which is in the paradise of God. I want to talk today on the subject, it was an accident. It was an accident. It was an accident. My kids, uh, my kids have this thing where they will, they will do some stuff to each other. Uh, I, you, you remember the story. I, I never shall forget. It's been some years now. We've put it behind us. We've moved on. But y'all know my kids had issues with climbing out of second-story windows in our house. Come on in here, somebody. Y'all remember I told y'all I walked into the bedroom where my son hollered real loud and said, help, and I went inside the bedroom on the second floor as I was getting ready for church on Sabbath morning, and my son was being held by my daughter. Uh, out, he was hanging out the window, and she had gripped him with her two hands as he was about to fall two floors. Lord have mercy. After it was all said and done, my children, over and over again, no matter how egregious the sin might be, they will say to me, it was an accident. It was a mistake. I I'm sorry. But how many know uh, intentions do not always make things better? Intentions do not always make things better. I never shall forget a few years ago uh, in, in, in Japan, they had that nuclear spill. And, 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 and people lost their lives as a result of the radiation. And, and, the, and, the, and the public statement that came out was, it was an accident. My mama used to tell me as a kid, because this thing that my children have gotten and that we are accustomed to in society, we have athletes and sports figures now, when they do heinous things, they just come on TV and they just say, I'm sorry, I should have never done it. I, I mean, I, I didn't know at the time that it was drugs, I, and I just asked you to forgive me. In other words, just get over it. Just forget that it ever happened. Let's just move past this thing. And, and I'm not simply suggesting today that we are not, not kind-hearted and forgiving to people, but I would suggest that sometimes our intentions do not fix the issue. You can say all day I didn't mean it, but when you just went upside my head, I'm still hurting. Come on, say amen. You can say, I'm sorry, it was an accident, but when you ran that red light in traffic, you almost killed everybody in the car. I'm sorry, you can say you didn't mean to get drunk and, and end up killing lives, but, but sometimes uh, intentions do not fix problems. Get this in your spirit. Intention, somebody say intention. Determines no destination. But direction, not intention, determines destination. My mama would tell me all the time, it don't matter how good your intentions are, at some place, you got to know right from wrong, you've got to do the right thing. Generally, when we operate on our trusted intentions, somebody gets hurt. And in this case, Jesus is saying, I'm the casualty. I'm the casualty. In other words, I commend you, church. You believed in the message. You stood on the word. You walked away from your church because the seventh day was the Sabbath. You changed your diet because the word of God said and taught what was clean meat and unclean meat. I can't get nobody to talk to me in here. 
Your music selection has changed now. The way you dress is different now. What you believe about the dead is different now. How you understand prophecy is different now. You, you have come to a new understanding and your life is not the same. But I want to warn you that your good intentions of being right can also cause you to have me tell you that I'm about to put you out. Isn't that deep, like how Jesus can go from saying, you're awesome, you're great, I love what you're doing, but I got issues with you, and I'm about to come right now, and I'm about to put you out. If you, if you don't fix this thing, I'm going to put you out. The Bible says he said he's going to come and remove the candlestick out of his place. I'm going to tell you right now, this is one of the most frightening things, but it is true. I'm not trying to put fear in us, but, there, but, but, but the gospel and the grace of Jesus Christ is time sensitive. And at some point, excuses like I didn't know and excuses like I meant well, but, I, but I, just, I, just, I just didn't do it the right way will not be enough when we stand before the judgment of God. And every man will have to give an account of what he has done in this life. Those good intentions will not be enough. The Bible says he wants to know, who are you? Do I know you? And so Pastor and I, as we were working on this, we came to discover that the first personality type that Christ warns us to avoid is trying to be good. One of the things you discover, let me teach for a minute, about the seven churches is that from Ephesus to Laodicea in ancient times was actually a directional route. So in other words, if you wanted to take mail from Ephesus to Laodicea, you would need to start in that order. So the order of Ephesus... The order of Smyrna, then Pergamum, then Thyatira, then Sardis, then Philadelphia, then Laodicea is like unto if you wanted to go to Columbus, you need to go south on 71 or at least southward. Amen. So notice what the prophet is trying to expose to us here in this in this in this symbolic way that if you start with the attitude of an Ephesian, then eventually you will become a Laodicean. The attitudes that we will talk about that are represented in the book of Revelation, the seven churches represent seven sequential progressive dispositions that if I start with this mindset, I'm going to end with the mindset that says I want to spit you out of my mouth. So what Christ is telling us is, is that there are, please hear me everybody, there are certain ways of thinking. That if we are not careful of embracing the very mind of Christ, we might find ourselves in a place unintentionally where we never thought we would go. Let me, let me just illustrate that for a second. Like, you know, I love going out and I love festivals. And, but listen, when I go out, I never plan on using a public bathroom. I'm sorry. If your boy has to use a public bathroom, because he don't got no choice. Can I get a witness in here? I mean, nobody, when they're getting ready to go out somewhere, says, you know what? You know, I won't use the bathroom here. I'll just wait until I get where I got to go. And if there's a nice public bathroom or a porta potty available to me, then I'll use that. Listen, man, let me tell you right now. Having the mindset of self-righteousness 
It's not something that people grew, wake up in the morning and say, you know what? I want to be arrogant. I want to be self-righteous. You know what? It's kind of like going to a bathroom that you never intended to go in the first place. What happens is, is you get out there and you have no other option and your default setting is to revert to that mindset. And so, for, for lack of a better word, I'd like to declare today that Glenville, Seventh-day Adventist Church, is the most pharisaical church I've ever been to in my life. You guys are Pharisees. Did he say that? Now, depending on what Pharisee I'm talking about will determine how you feel about that. Now, in biblical days, I got you right where I want you. In biblical days, if you were called a Pharisee, then you were considered the most spiritual person in the room. But in our minds, based on your response, and I don't think you guys are pharisaical, but it's just an illustration. But in our minds, when you hear the word Pharisee, if somebody calls you Pharisee, then you get offended because being a Pharisee is not a good person. Come on, say amen. How many of you want to be a Pharisee? How many of you declare yourself to be a Pharisee? And if somebody called you a Pharisee, how many of you would feel good about that? I can tell you you would not because just based on the way you just looked. A few seconds ago, when I said this was the most pharisaical church in the world. I don't believe that, but I just want you to get the point that at some time in earth's history, that if you were called a Pharisee, that actually was a badge of honor. Understand this now. What I want to deal with today is, how do you get from a Pharisee being a positive thing, and then it becomes a negative thing? What I'm trying to say is, in the book of Ephesians, how do you get from Christ saying, I commend you for standing for truth. I commend you for your orthodoxy. I commend you for your understanding of doctrine. I commend you for worshiping on the right day. I commend you for your diet. I commend you for being talking about the soon coming of Jesus Christ. But you have, you have fallen. Hey, you, one of the things you understand is, is if you read the book of Ephesians, Ephesians, oh, stay with me everybody, the, the church in Ephesus used to be one of Paul's pride and joys. When Paul would talk about Ephesus, he would talk about Ephesus in such positive tones. The people of Ephesus were praying people. The people of Ephesus were people that had come out of much, that had suffered much. God had delivered them from things, and they began to recognize the sufficiency and the all-powerful nature of God. And Paul loved the church in Ephesus. Paul stayed there for three years. It was in Ephesus that Paul, when he spoke against the, uh, the idol worship that they almost left him for dead. And it was the church of Ephesus that, that lifted him up and strengthened him and took him in in the hour of persecution. So how does the church of Ephesus, with all that great history, with such a reputation of serving God, how do they fall so far to being called by God forgetful people? How do you get from being the number one church to now God saying to Ephesus, 
if you don't get your act together, I'm going to come. Lord have mercy. I personally am going to come and I'm going to remove the lampstand out of it. I've got issues with you, Ephesus. How's that happen? Well, first thing I got to tell you is this. No one knows when they've become a Pharisee. Let me, let me, follow me on this. The only way that you know that you're a Pharisee is if somebody tells you. The root of being a Pharisee in the negative sense is self-deception. And let me say this. Pharisees, as I said before, were not considered evil. They were the leaders of God's church. And you have to understand their history. In their history, there was so much idolatry and so much influence from the outside world that with good intention, they said, we've got to keep ourselves from this wickedness. As a matter of fact, in, in Ephesus itself, they had a large temple. And in this temple, they had this god, this female god called Artemis. And she had multiple breasts on her. She was the height of, of, of Ephesian spirituality, which was driven by superstition and sexuality. And in that culture, where big business was idolatry, the Ephesians just stood for God. Some of y'all know what I Some of you come from families where everybody in the family is doing the wrong thing. But you stood for God no matter what you saw and no matter what you experienced. Some of you work on jobs under an environment where everything around you is against the things of God. But yet you stood for God. You fought your way through. You prayed your way through. You cried your way through. You suffered your way through. You've been persecuted and abused your way through. You stood for God. But how does, please help me figure this out, guys. How does a person like that become the enemy of God? How do Pharisees go from being the spiritual giants to being the ones that actually kill Jesus? They were the closest to God. They were God's biggest fans. But when Jesus came, they didn't even recognize who God was. How does that happen? How do you get there? And here's the thing. (laughs) Unless you are listening to the voice of the Holy Spirit right now, you may not even think that you are a Pharisee. But let me help you out. Pastor Edmonds is a Pharisee. I might be the chief Pharisee. I might be. I'm I'm, I'm just going to get with Paul. Paul said he was a chief sinner, so I'm just going to get with the chief Pharisee. Can I tell you what a Pharisee is? A Pharisee as we understand it, is a person who forgets. You just forgot. You forgot. See, what happened was is, as you grew in God, you started mastering things that before you weren't really good at. You was wild back in the day. Yes, you were. Yes, you were. Come on, talk to me more. You was, a, you was a raving lunatic back in the day. Come on in here. When people called your name, people said, party over there. <laughs> Some of you had sharp tongues back in the day. Some of you ate anything you wanted back in the day. 
Some of you didn't understand what a Sabbath was back in the day, right? Some of you didn't even know what a, how to read a Bible, let alone understand a Sabbath school quarterly back in the day. But look where God has brought you. You came through that tent meeting, you sat through that revival, and at that time you weren't really sure whether you were coming or going. Your life was such a mess, you felt unworthy even to be in the house of, a, of God. But what happened to you? you smelling yourself now the Holy Spirit is saying to the church in Ephesus he says you were the one that stood for God you were the one that pointed out false prophets you were the one that declared what thus saith the Lord and, and how many know we know what thus saith the Lord is oh come on talk to me seven days in here how many know we know listen I ain't nowhere in the Bible I'm afraid to go to you can take me to Daniel you can take me to Revelation you can take me to the Ten Commandments and I ain't afraid to deal with the fourth come on how many know we got the truth come on talk to me in here how many know that the word in which we stand on is the irrefutable word of God and so some of us because we know that you're at the water cooler on your job and people are discussing what day is the right day and then you rail up. It's my moment now. Take out your Bibles. Go with me to Exodus 20 and verse 8 through 11. And while you're reading it, I'll quote it. Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Come on in here. Oh, you want to know about prophecy? Go on over. Take that same Bible, brother, and turn on over to Revelation chapter what? 14. Huh? Fear God. Give glory for the hour. I know my Bible. For his, for his judgment has come. And worship him. Come on, talk to me, saints. How they made heaven and earth, the sea, and the fountains of waters. I know the word of God. I know that when I die, I stay dead until the voice of God calls me forth. I'm not in heaven somewhere looking over my relatives and my loved ones, but the dead know nothing. How many know that to be true? I know what clean is and unclean is and vegetarian and vegan. Come on in here, somebody. I know that the signs of Christ's coming are being fulfilled right before my very eyes. I understand it. I can philosophize on it. I can deal with it. You can't deal with me on the word. And then Jesus comes and says, and that's why I got problems with you. How you got here, I don't know. Wasn't you the one that used to sit in the back of the church? Because you had alcohol on your breath? And sex on your body? And smoke on your, on your, on your lips? Come on in here, somebody. When you first came here, when you first start finding God, some of us want to forget where we came from. But the Bible says, remember where I brought you from. How did you get from here to here? There was a day you had to lie your way through and manipulate your way through. There were days you fought your way through. There were days you got so drunk and got so loud and crazy that now when people see you, they can't even believe that you are a worshiper, let alone a Sunday Adventist. Some of you are the only ones in your family. The only one. And that makes you feel good. 
My, all my family members came to the meeting, but I'm the only one that made a decision. My daddy was the elder so-and-so. And he built this church with his bare hands. I mean, I don't know, how, how else do you build it? Build with your bare hands. so-and-so Sabbath school class I sat under and you have to understand what I'm saying is very realistic to the Ephesian church you know that Paul was their pastor look there's some churches they had an intern they had Timothy but in Ephesus had Paul for three years what you gonna tell them I was taught from Paul and then after Paul a couple of can't call them slouches Priscilla and Aquila came by and them, and that couple was so bad that a dispute rose up in the church as to who was better, Paul or Aquila and Priscilla these were our pastors this who, this who, you don't understand who you're dealing with here Lord and the Lord looks down on Myron Edmonds and says to me he says yes you stood yes you believe Yes, you practice, but I got problems with you. You value being right more than you do being kind. You value facts and information and details more than you value people. I got issues with you. You lost your first love. When you got in here, you were just glad to be in the number one more time. Some of y'all used to quote that text, I'm just glad to be a doorkeeper. Now you mad if you ain't in office. How'd you get here? And for me, and for me, pastor, we, we didn't want to be preachers. And then now, we're looking at other preachers like, who he? <laughs> yeah, that's what black folks say. <laughs> what church you passed at? What y'all believe over there? Because we got the truth. Us versus them. And whenever you're ready to get on this territory, you come holler at me. How did you get there? How'd you get there? How did you get to a place where you idolize your ideas and being right more than your love for me and for people. I'm going to tell you how right now. Here's how it happens. And by the way, let me point, let me point out a text real quick. This issue of pride is hateful to God. Now I'm preaching to myself. Y'all know that was an illustration when I said y'all pharisaical, right? Let me just, just in case somebody missed the second part. That was an illustration. <laughs> Pride is more hateful to God Amen. than porn. Amen. Can I show you? Can I show you? Go to Proverbs 6, 16 through 19. How did you get here? 
And here's my answer. I'm going to tell you how we got here. Are you ready? It was an accident. It was an accident. I didn't mean to get proud, God. I didn't mean to get to a place where I'm so dogmatic and narcissistic that my view is the only view. I didn't mean to get here. Anybody feel that way sometimes? I mean, I don't know how I got, but I didn't mean to. I'm going to tell you how it happens, but I've got to read this text first. Uh, Proverbs 6. Now, notice, notice why God is so, after all the good stuff they did, notice why Christ is so bothered with the church. Look what he says. And this type of person, the Bible says in Proverbs 6, 16 through 19, he says, there are six things the Lord hates. Seven, somebody shout seven. That are detestable to him. Haughty eyes. A lying tongue. Hands that shed innocent blood. A heart that devises wicked schemes. Feet that are quick to rush into evil. A false witness who pours out lies. And a person who stirs up conflict in the community. The first thing that came out of his mouth was haughtiness. Hear me this. God hates pride. The minute, don't miss this, when you, reason why pride, as Ellen White said, is almost incurable, she says. Pride cost Satan his position in heaven. Pride cost us our, our world as we know it with Adam and Eve. Pride has brought down every man. The word of God says in Proverbs, pride precedes destruction. So the warning of Christ to us is saying, watch out for this pride that you have in what you know, in what you've accomplished, and who you've become. You've got to be careful that you don't forget where I brought you. There's only one remedy for pride. Your memory. Don't you ever, the Lord says to me, forget what I pulled you out of. Now, let me show you how this thing manifests itself, and then we're going to leave. So here it is. How does this happen? Step number one. Step number one. The way that you become like the Ephesus church that value goodness and being right more than love is the first thing is something good happens to you. Something life changing happens to you. It could, it could be a new understanding. Let's use the Sabbath as an example. Before, you ain't know nothing about that. Now that you know about the Sabbath, you kind of look funny at people who don't know the Sabbath. You see what I'm saying? Something that was positive to you has now become the thing that could be your undoing. God never meant for his blessings to cause us to look down on other people. Or, 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 you lost weight. 
Hmm? Now you're, you're into health. Yeah. And, 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 and can, I, can I tell you a quick story? Yeah. It is a long time ago. So. But, you know, I was on this strong thing, man. And, I, you know, I, and understand, I'm, I'm raised in this church, so, you know, it wasn't unclean meat and nothing like that. But, man, I just felt, you know, I'm going to get healthier. Yeah. And, man, I found, I mean, I went, I skipped vegetarianism and went to be a vegan. I said, I'm going to be a vegan. I want, God to, I want God to know I'm serious about this thing. Threw away eggs, dairy, sugar. Come on in here. I mean, all that kind of stuff. Brothers and sisters, that thing lasted a good six weeks. But can I tell you something? But while I was refraining from it, at dinner tables, you going to eat that? You know what's in that? Is that organic? <laughs> and what kind of milk is that that you have there? Do you see what happens? I mean, I'm telling you, it happens to all of us. The minute you get a victory in an area, if you are not careful, you automatically look down on other people that are not where you are. Or, you're, or you came out of the hood. Huh? We even got these two. God, to, see, you know, I, I, was a, I was a dog back in the day. I got a real testimony. <laughs> uh, I'm that real dude. Huh? You don't know where I've come from. I had to blown your brains out back in the day, type dude. Or sister. You don't know who, who the folk I used to run with. And when folk testify, they may testify. Pastor Coach, I've heard you say this a number of times. They might get to testify. I said, Father, I just want to thank you that. You know, I've never been shot. I've never been in a burning yeah. building. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I've never been. I never had AIDS and got healed. Mm-hmm. But I just want to thank the Lord that He kept me. And then that person who's been through all that is looking at them like you don't got no story. Such a why are you want to testify? You ain't been through nothing. I came from real stuff. How you gonna get up there and tell that old sorry testimony? You ain't been nowhere. What, what you got? What you got to offer? You see. Any life-changing experience, the enemy, he don't care that you had it. He just wants to use it to make you feel like you are superior to other people. Well, see, you can't dress like you used to anymore. That's because gravity has taken over. And so the real reason why you don't dress like that ain't Jesus is just that you can't. Come on in here, somebody. And then you are the dress police. Or, 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 on the other side, you're more open-minded. You're not as conservative you're liberal in your viewpoint. And so, and so you know what? See, you can, be a, you can be a liberal Pharisee. Did you know that? So what you do is, is you talk bad about all the other Pharisees. Because they're not as open-minded as you are. Oh, what? You don't eat out on Sabbath? You crazy. You ain't free. <laughs> well, the Bible, the Bible says where the spirit of the Lord is. You ain't free yet. <laughs> or you don't listen to secular music every now and then? You just hard-hearted. You need to loosen up a bit. Notice now, 
Understand, this mindset is not just responsible to those who look conservative. If you are breathing, if you've had an experience, if you have an opinion, you need to be careful that you don't exalt your way of thinking over those who have not embraced it. If what Christ did in your life to save and to change and to deliver you has not put more love in you, has not put more kindness in you, has not put more grace in you, then you have not been changed. Now I'm a Pharisee. As I'm reading this, God's saying, you, you, you. Preach your own spiritual eulogy on Sabbath, Byron. Preach it. Why you say that, Lord? Oh, because you're a Pharisee too. You know how you're a Pharisee? How am I a Pharisee, Lord? I don't like the Pharisees. That's why you're a Pharisee. That's why you're a Pharisee. Because you've done the exact same thing. Just because people don't see things your way, you now think that your way is superior and you now look down on everybody else that does not embrace your way. So the first thing that happens is you have a life-changing experience. Second thing that happens is you notice that others have not embraced your experience and you get frustrated when they don't share your passion. Oh, you don't come to Sabbath school? <laughs> oh, here's my thing. You're my, oh, you don't come to prayer meeting? Oh, they're going to hell. <laughs> oh, they, they, ain't, they, ain't, they ain't spiritual. You know, that's how we do. Oh, oh, you don't understand righteousness by faith? Oh, they, ain't, they, ain't, they, don't, they don't get it. They ain't in the word. <laughs> oh, Oh, you come to church late. So then you look down on everybody else who don't know how to get someplace on time. And then the late people look funny at everybody else who's always on time. <laughs> you see what I'm saying? We exalt our way of thinking to make ourselves feel better about ourselves. And the minute that you make someone less than you are in your own mind, welcome to Pharisee University. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Ephesians campus. Oh my goodness. <laughs> God said, whoa, whoa. He said, dude, you tripping. You do think you're better than other people. You know how, anytime you ask that question, how many of you think you're better? Oh, I don't think I'm better than nobody. Well, I can tell you if that's a lie or not. How can you tell me that, Pastor? Simply, if there's an area in your life that you're passionate about, do you look funny at other people if they're not as passionate as you are about it? So anybody, I heard somebody say, can be a Pharisee. So I go back to my original statement. This church is full of Pharisees. And I'm the chief Pharisee. Y'all cool with that now? I got to throw myself in there, don't I? All right, as long as he ain't talking down to us. 
See, I'm learning my lesson that I can never make my burden my God simply because you don't have my burden. The Word of God says, if they don't have your burden, then carry their burdens. Oh, you educated. And I, got, and I decided that I'm going to be a plumber. So you look down on me because I couldn't finish school. Do you see how this thing can play out in every area of our lives? The loud people think all the quiet people don't have personality. And the quiet people think all the loud people talk too much. It don't matter how you spit it, we are always looking for an edge. (laughs) We're always looking for an edge. We're always looking to win. We're always looking to one-up ourselves over the next person. I raised my kids this way. Look at them snotty nose, nappy head kids. They don't got no order. I spank my kids. But then you got the spanking parents against the parents that don't spank. You got black versus white. Married versus single. Whatever you want for expressive worship versus soft worship. And, and, and we and I'm better than you and you're better than me and you know what Christ is saying to us he says how did you get here how have you fallen so far how did you get to a place where you have the nerve to take one thing that you've mastered Holy Ghost said to me he said Negro you are so excited that you got this area on lock and everybody else don't got that area but what about the rest of your sorry life Isn't that what we do? Come on, saints, talk to me this morning. I know this is a hard word, but don't, isn't that what we do? We're always looking for an edge. And the Lord said to me very clearly, he says, this is better. You can tell the spiritual arrogance of the people by what comes out of their mouths. Please don't miss this. Almost done. Ask God to rebuke you anytime you say something slightly derogatory about somebody else. And I promise you, you will be rebuked all day long. Spirit of Prophecy says this, that when somebody's name comes up in a conversation that has done us wrong, we ought to start defending them. We ought to protect their reputation even though you know they did you over. So first, something good happens to you. Second, you notice that others have not embraced your experience and you get frustrated. Somebody shout frustrated. How many of y'all get frustrated with folk? Get frustrated when they don't do what you do. And then finally, you start comparing. Let me read this to you and I'm going to close. Everybody listen. If you continue, well, let me back up. We have an amazing ability 
to compare things in a way that causes us to come out on top. You always win in the hypothetical. In other words, everybody does the right thing in hypothetical situations. So like you would never get in your black infinity and drive into the White House. She crazy. You know, first thing comes to your mind, she crazy. But guess what? It's easy to say that when you're not in her shoes. Do you understand what I'm saying, brothers and sisters? It is so easy to be the winner in hypothetical situations. Well, if I was there, I wouldn't have gone down. <laughs> Ain't no way in the world I would have said that. Ain't no way I would have done that. How many uh, folk in here we got that said I would never, and you did stuff that you never thought you'd do? I lift my hands right now. I want to thank God. Thank you, G. I want to thank God right now that he looked past my sorry commitments that I made to him, and he still had grace on my life, no matter how far I had fallen from him. God, I think, takes pleasure in taking our bold, proper statements and turning them on our heads. Don't you ever walk out of here and talk about what you won't do and how you would have handled it and that you're better than somebody else. God says, if you keep talking like that, I'm going to remove your candlestick out of this place. If you continue farther down the path of contempt, somebody say contempt. Of those who fought, failed to keep up with you, you'll end up in a place of arrogance. Fewer, watch this, fewer and fewer people will measure up to your definition of being a good Christian. Inevitably, being right will become more important than being kind. Gracious or loving, <laughs> thinning the herd will become more important than expanding the kingdom. Unity will take a back step to uniformity. So, what's the basic problem with Ephesus? They can't tolerate anybody that ain't like them. So what's the solution? Let's go to the word, and I'm done. It's two, really three points. I want to look at one. Revelation 2 and verse 4. God, forgive me. Forgive me for giving myself the edge. Forgive, her, forgive me for making myself winner every time. Forgive me for putting down people in a spiritual way. Forgive me for wanting to be right more than wanting to be loving. Watch this. He says, yet, I hold this against you. Oh, God, I want to pause and just say thank you. That when God sees junk in our lives, yes. he points it out. Mm-hmm. Yes. That ought to send you into a praise. Mm-hmm. 
if he had not called you out, you would stay where you are. If you stay where you are, you're going to die in your sin. How many are grateful today that there are people in your life that can call you out? I'm going to tell you right now, that's the problem with many of us. Can't nobody tell us nothing. There are many of us in here where nobody can speak into your life. You know it all. You've accomplished it all. It's already done. You ain't going to tell me something I don't already know. God says, I got something wrong with you. Early in my marriage, this was a problem for me. Still is a problem. I like being right all the time. I don't like losing ever. But this thing almost cost me my marriage. You can't win every argument, even if you're right. No, sir, let me ask you something. Nobody wants to be a loser all the time. I never, I never forget it, man. My wife sat out in that car, would not come in the house. Only thing that saved me was Brenda Arthurs. I don't know what Donna said. <laughs> Yo, so, 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 uh, you know, b- bottom line is, my wife said to me, she said, why you always got to be right? Who wants to be around a person who, like, who's right all the time? Listen, understand this. And especially as believers, and I'm specifically talking about those that believe in the three angels' messages, especially us, you can't humiliate somebody's belief system and then expect them to want to be a part of your church. Oh, I'm going somewhere now. You get, get into the testimonies. I'm reading the uh, seventh volume of the testimonies now. And there's counsel in there saying that we should not speak derogatory of Catholics. If you didn't know, we, we got a thing with Catholics. We think it's cool to get up and badmouth other beliefs. Is that love? No. <laughs> and so are we just preaching the truth no hold on hold on there's a way to tell the truth without beating the hell out of somebody and I'm not talking about figuratively I mean literally I'm talking about figuratively I can't do that you can't you can't dog somebody and think they're going to say you know what you whooped my behind so bad I don't got no choice but to just do what you say argument was so well put together. Your facts were so well ordered. Your points made so much sense. You know what? You convinced me just on logic alone. I agree. It ain't happening. Let all the married folks say amen. amen. How many married folks ever been in a discussion and you felt, brothers, that this is what it is? <laughs> this is what happened. Well, see, when you're in marriage, you ain't really arguing about what you're arguing about. 
you're arguing about something that's underneath the argument that you're arguing about. And right, wrong, left, or right, if you humiliate and downplay and dog somebody, <laughs> Notice what he says. Here's the, here's the counsel. Can I, I just, can I just deal with one? There are three, but I just want to do one. The first one says, remember. I'm done. That's good. Oh, no, 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 no. That's good stuff. Oh, I thought it was so much more complicated than that. How do I not be a Pharisee? How do I not get to a place where I exalt myself, my opinion, my views, my way of life? Because I had an awesome experience with God. Now I'm looking down on other people that didn't have the same experience. God, how do I fix that? Oh, oh I'll help you. Let's go down memory lane. Because the issue that you're passionate about now, it wasn't too long ago that you ain't know nothing about it. <laughs> Do you remember you used to eat hog mogs and chitlins? Do you remember you used to? Oh, come on in here. Mad dog. Come on, somebody. Hey, Hennessy. Do you remember? Crack cocaine, LSD, PCP, cigarette smoke. Somebody shout. Do you remember? Lion. <laughs> Your lying tongue. Some of you lied your way into the church. Some of you been lying all your life. And now that you know truth, all of a sudden now, you are the most blessed person God said. Don't you forget. Oh, she got pregnant? And she don't got no husband? Well, you had four before you had a husband. But now that that's in the distant past, you somehow forgot. Oh, my goodness. Let me tell you what God told me. He said, you, you, don't, you don't like conservative people. You don't like conservative views. And it's based on my experience. There's a reason why. But you just don't like that viewpoint, the, the rigid, you know, the controlling. It's the way I grew up. You know, just, you, you don't like that. Be careful, Myron, that, that you move from not liking that to not liking them. That's right, that's right, that's right. Yeah. Because, can I remind you of something, Myron? Yeah. You used to be like that. Yeah. Or I, oh Lord have mercy. You talk about judgmental. You talk about pharisaical. You're talking about not knowing nothing about grace. Your boy has come a mighty long way. Can I get somebody to bless his name in here that knows that you ain't what you used to be? Don't you forget. Remember where I brought you from. The Greek says, the Greek says, it says, keep in your mind at all times what I did in your life. Don't you ever forget that I pulled you out of 31 years of drug addiction. Don't you ever forget it. 
David said, he said, these things I call to mind. Uh, no, Jeremiah said, he said, these things I call to mind. Remember it. It is because of the Lord's mercies. That we are not consumed. His mercy. I said his mercy. I said his mercy. Endure as forever. The only reason why you got a brain. The only reason why you got an opinion. The only reason why you ain't where you used to be. The only reason why you ain't still in your old mess. Is because God in his mercy pulled you out of it. Don't you ever forget. Don't you forget I healed you. Don't you forget I saved you. Don't you forget when you were on that hospital bed. And the doctors had flew in the towel. That I came down there and breathed into your nostrils. The breath of life. You're here today. Don't you forget. I saved your children. Don't you forget. When he had the gun. A kill. And he pointed in your face. And you should have died in your apartment. Don't you forget that. That's right. Don't you forget, brother. You cried out to the Lord. Huh? Needed a right now blessing. And as you were praying, the phone rang. Don't you forget. That's right. That's right. Yes, sir. Couples, don't forget those feelings you had when you first got married, when you were first dating. They ain't that bad. They hung with you. You hung with them. How you gonna forget? Don't forget. That's it. He says, how do you stop that downward trend of thinking you're better? Don't forget. Sit. It's good work. Very good work. How can you be so hard on people when I should have killed you? Don't forget. Is that it, Lord? Mm-hmm. I, I got to do something. Mm-mm. If you remember, you'll repent. That's what the text says. He said, remember, repent, and then do. You can't do before you remember. You can't do until you Repent. You know what God's biggest problem is with the church? They have amnesia. And their amnesia causes them to be condescending. You know what the Lord said to me? He says, every time you look down on somebody, I should strike you down. Anytime you take the us versus them, me versus you, he said, I should 
kill you. Can I ask somebody a question? What happened to the smile that used to be on your face? What happened to your smile? Yeah. You used to shout yes, sir. when you first got here. Yes, sir, bro. <laughs> when you got dipped in that water, yeah, man. you hollered. Yes, <laughs> Why you stop praising him? Huh? Yeah. You too sophisticated now? <laughs> huh? Yeah. Oh, yeah, you don't got to praise him like I do. Yeah. But can you smile? Huh? When you, when you look back over your life and you think things over, can you at least just say, thank you, Jesus? Father, 